In 1521, at the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther was asked to recant his writings. Luther responded, Unless I am convinced from the sacred scriptures that I am in error, I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Will you stand with us as we proclaim these Reformation truths in the 21st century? You can take your stand by becoming a monthly or annual contributor to Issues Etc. Find out the benefits of becoming an Issues Etc. confessor, apologist, reformer, or patron on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses. Help us proclaim the solas of the Reformation. Scripture, faith, grace, and Christ alone. Here we stand, Issues Etc. and you. attending a Sunday service at your local non-denominational church. And when you leave, you have nagging insecurity. You're not more sure of your salvation, perhaps you're even less sure of your salvation. And while you're there, you feel out of place. Everyone else seems to be moved by the Spirit, emotionally benefiting from this, and you're just not getting it. And you spend a lot of your time trying to fit in. Is that an uncommon experience? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's Issues Etc. Reformation Week. Our series, Paths to Lutheranism, concludes today. Molly Lackey joins us to talk about her journey from non-denominationalism. She's a historian and a seminary and a Lutheran seminarian's wife, and she's author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. Molly, welcome. Hi, Todd. So what kind of churches did you attend when you were younger? So I grew up mainly going to a, a rather large non-denominational, interdenominational church in Southern California. We very briefly went to sort of a super lapsarian, really hardcore Calvinist church. That was only about a year, though. So most of my time as a kid was spent in a pretty stereotypical non-denom situation, you know, very contemporary music, the 45-minute-long sermon kids not really in the service, all, all kind of the, the full nine yards. So for the time, kind of typical evangelical fair yeah. on Sunday morning. Yeah. What did you think about it as a kid? So I think the thing that really sort of defined my childhood experience in that was just not having a whole lot of a sense of comfort and assurance in being saved. I think sometimes we don't think that children are going to be thinking about that kind of a thing. But because a lot of that is so emotion-based, and as a kid, you're just sort of all over the place, I can remember going through these really glum periods in middle school and just not being sure whether or not, like, okay, does God love me? Does God forgive me? How do I know that this thing that I've prayed about, you know, a dozen times is actually forgiven? I remember... Right before we ended up becoming Lutheran, I'd actually kind of been thinking about getting rebaptized because I'd been baptized in, as like a third grader, I think. For me, it was just sort of this this big show to the congregation, like, oh, hey, look, I'm I'm old enough now to take this seriously, guys. I'm really into Jesus. It, it didn't really mean anything more than that. 
And so I was just really struggling with knowing whether or not I was saved. So looking back on that, what were you being taught or not taught that produced that kind of insecurity in you? I definitely think it was more of an issue of of not taught. I don't know that I was ever told anything explicitly that led to this. It was more just what I wasn't being taught. I can remember kind of at church, it was there was a lot of emphasis on Bible stories and kind of the kids stuff, mostly New Testament and kind of highlights of, of the Old Testament. But it was just kind of as stories. It was like, okay, well, I, I know that Jonah was a prophet and that Jesus had 12 friends, but it wasn't really anything beyond just kind of story time. And by the time I was like an early teenager, preteen, I was volunteering with the children's programming because I went on to a Saturday night service and they didn't have youth group. And I, when there's like a six week sermon series on marriage, that doesn't really have anything to do with a 12 year old. And I can remember having to do lessons with the kids that I was volunteering with, that would be, you know, like listening to God, almost kind of stuff. Oh, you're like David and, you know, God is going to give you, you know, your five smooth stones to slay the Goliath in your fourth grade life, that kind of a thing. And none of it was really hitting where I was coming from. None of it was actually dealing with any of, of sort of the I think Luther talks about this in his own life as an, uh, you know, a, a young man. As sort of, this an onfectung, I think, was really kind of what was going on, but just at this much sort of smaller, immature child level. So you talked about studying the Bible, hearing the Bible stories and everything. Why did you find the Bible difficult to understand at the time? Yeah, so I can remember I decided I was going to try to read through the New Testament at some point in middle school. And I stalled out in the epistles. I had no idea what was going on. And then I started getting kind of freaked out about end time stuff for some reason. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Revelation. And I can remember sitting at church one day, like flipping through Revelation and just being absolutely confused and having no idea what on earth was going on. And when we became Lutheran, I think one of the things that really impressed on me very quickly was this idea that, number one, the Bible is all telling the story of Jesus. It isn't, you don't you don't go to the Bible to kind of like hunt and peck around for things that are going to be sort of like useful tidbits for your own life or something, but instead you should first and foremost approach the Bible as, what is this telling me about Jesus? And then also just law and gospel was so incredibly eye-opening to me. I can remember as I was going through confirmation, realizing that some of the verses that I had been trying to comfort myself with as a kid were law, and that was probably why they didn't really help me very much. Oh, this is probably why. Okay. And then understanding that the Bible was fundamentally expressing, right, these two kinds of words that God has for us, God's goodwill that we can't fulfill, but also God fulfilling that through Jesus and saving us through Jesus. Finally, getting that really opened up the Bible to me in a way that had never been done before. Is it safe to say that you had not heard that previously? Yeah, yeah. I had not heard that outside of, I think that most churches outside of the Lutheran churches do not really have any sense of that. So what was your first exposure to Lutheran teaching and practice? So my dad was really the spearhead who kind of got our family going to the Lutheran church. 
my dad had been kind of reading pretty much anything that he could get his hands on for about a decade, I think, by the time we finally started attending an LCMS church. And I don't remember his exact trajectory. He didn't start out with Luther and stuff, but eventually found a lot of online resources like Issues Etc. I mean, I remember very vividly listening to Issues Etc. a lot in middle school leading up to and when we finally did start attending and, and join the LCMS. That would have been like between 2009 and 2012. So it was kind of the heyday of, you know, there was just all of this stuff being produced online on, on YouTube, podcasts were, I think, just kind of starting. And so there was so much really, really good stuff. And a lot of it was geared specifically at reaching evangelicals, right? Reaching Protestants who weren't Lutheran and who didn't really know what Luther did in any kind of meaningful sense. And I think it was through one of these things he was listening to, he heard the sermon of a pastor who was at a church that was like half a mile from the church that we were going to. Both of my parents are involved in the praise band stuff at the church that we went to. And my dad also did a couple of other churches. He ended up quitting some of the other stuff that he was doing so that he could go on Sundays to this LCMS church and then brought me and my mom along. And I can just remember the first service that I really clearly remember was, I think, a Christmas Eve service. It would have been like eighth grade. And we had gone to our non-denom church's service. And then we left there and went directly to the LCMS church's service. And I can remember that like a really large portion of the non-denom service was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, everybody thinks Christmas is about Santa Claus and Christmas isn't about Santa Claus. It was, it was this really like kind of weirdly law sermon for Christmas time. And I just remember being kind of bored and not really getting anything out of it. And then we went to the LCMS church's service and it was all about Jesus and it was all like hey it's cool that Jesus is born and that we have all these nativity scenes but what this is really telling us is that God became a man to die for all of our sins and to rectify us with God the Father forever and ever and that was just utterly mind-blowing to me it was like wow I I'm not being made to feel bad about like Christmas stuff it's like the Christmas is is happy and this is what the joy in Christmas is about and I think it was pretty soon after that that we started attending that church regularly. We're talking with Molly Lackey about her journey from non-denominationalism to the Lutheran Confession. She's author of the Issues Etc. book, The Monk for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. We'll talk about her encounter with the liturgy next. How does Jesus define the Christian's identity? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or look for Confessing Jesus at our website, issuesetc.org. Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month, 1-800-325-3040, or issuesetc.org. 
Making Disciples for Life. Across the nation, students are back in school in over 1,800 schools serving children in early childhood through high school. Students are thriving in programs of excellence in a safe, caring Christian environment taught by dedicated teachers. To find a school in your community, visit lcms.org schools. Connect today for information about a Lutheran school for the children in your family at lcms.org schools. What is eternal life? How do you understand it? How do you imagine it? We're full of all sorts of ideas of what eternal life might be like. And yet, the scriptures are clear. Eternal life centers on Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. The November issue of the Lutheran Witness explains some of these misconceptions about eternal life and what the scriptures say. So to learn more, pick up your copy of the November issue of the Lutheran Witness. Visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, teaching you to interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. You wish your classical school could do more for struggling learners? Uncertain where to begin? The Memoria Press Schools Division includes Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. The Schools Division will happily assist your school. Memoria Press offers an entire line of special needs resources for teaching math, reading, spelling, and more. Contact schools at memoriapress.com or order directly from simplyclassical.com with coupon code LPR23. Real Reformation Radio. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question? Dr. Lawrence Rast, President of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church. Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship Confessional Theology Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back. It's our series, Paths to Lutheranism. It concludes today with Molly Lackey's story of her journey from non-denominationalism. Molly, how did the liturgy strike you in your first exposure to Lutheran worship? I had never really connected very well with sort of big box contemporary music styles. I'm very introverted, and I just never really got into it enough. I was kind of one of those like awkward people in a service who didn't really know what to do with their hands. And joining the Lutheran Church and discovering the liturgy was actually really freeing for me. It suddenly, worship was no longer about like making sure that I could kind of act like I was comfortable in the space and that I was feeling something that was somehow indicative of, of like an inner spiritual state. But instead, it was this experience that was very calming because it was very orderly, but was also really different from anything else that I experienced in my day-to-day life. And we were at a very 
I mean, a, a truly tiny, I think, by most LCMS standards church. I think we had an average attendance of like 30 people in a, a little tiny adobe style church building that didn't have heat or air conditioning. But it really impressed upon me like, hey, this is something this is something set apart and this is something different. And this is something that you really have to take seriously and treat differently from anything else that you're going to experience in the rest of your life. This isn't a rock concert. And we're taking this so seriously because we really, truly believe that Jesus is present here. I want to explore something you said just a moment ago, which was that, if I heard you correctly, in the evangelical experience, a lot of mental energy was expended during worship to kind of fit into the mood that the praise band or the pastor was trying to create for everyone. I think that's the first time I've ever heard anybody describe it that way. The kind of the, what would you call it? The social pressure. Yeah. To look like you're having a good time. Yeah. Like, talk a little bit more about that and the difference of coming to the liturgy where the focus, where you could for once stop focusing on how you fit in. Yeah. I think that sort of an uncomfortable truth with a lot of participant focused worship stuff that nobody nobody wants to admit is that if you are in any way like a little bit nervous or a little bit shy or for whatever reason sort of like emotional highs don't come very easily to you you just kind of feel like a loser i can remember while we were kind of exploring the lutheran church talking about this with my dad because he he felt the same way and he was up front my dad tells a story about somebody coming up to him at the end of a service and was just like, oh, I I really felt the Holy Spirit moving in this one part of, of this song that you were playing on. My, my dad plays the electric guitar. And my dad felt really uncomfortable because he was like, this was just like a key change. And I hit like an effect on my pedal board. And this woman was having this emotional reaction to that. But for him, it was just it was just music. And he didn't really have that. He's a lot like me and he didn't really have that kind of a an emotional reaction in the same way. It makes you really feel like an outsider. Whereas with liturgical worship, the point is that we shouldn't be kind of like looking around to see, you know, who's like waving their hands around or who's very clearly really into the the song, right? One of the things that I really like is that nobody really is looking around at each other. It isn't really like a concert where you're like trying to sort of get the whole crowd to move sort of in the same way all at once. That's, that's sort of a natural byproduct, right? Like, obviously, it would be goofy to deny that Lenten hymns don't evoke a certain kind of a feeling or, or Easter hymns don't evoke a certain kind of a feeling. But at the end of the day, if you're having a bad day and just like the, the feeling isn't there, it's not like the sacrament is invalid or the word being carried to you through what's being proclaimed is invalid or something like that. It's just you're having a bad day and that's okay. You say that the sacraments were kind of an entirely new concept to you. Talk about that. Yeah, so I'd been baptized and I'd taken communion a few times before becoming Lutheran. But baptism, we had like a little class beforehand and I don't really remember whether it was something that was said to me or just something that I kind of filled in the gaps on. I viewed baptism as purely symbolic, just sort of a big sort of show and tell moment. Communion really wasn't treated the same way that we treat it, where, 
you have to either go through confirmation or otherwise, you know, illustrate to the pastor that you are able to reflect on yourself and understand what's going on. It was just kind of like available if you wanted to the couple of times a quarter that we would do communion. And so it it, it was just kind of like play acting almost. I don't know. It, it was like, okay, well, we're going to think really, really hard about the Last Supper and like drink this little thing of grape juice and chew on this cracker while trying to just think as hard as we can on Jesus in the upper room, which never really appealed to me. I don't know. It just, it, it made absolutely no effect on me. Becoming Lutheran and obviously a huge part of, of our Lutheran identity is, is found in how we understand the sacraments and the real presence in communion and, you know, the efficacy of baptism. And that was really different, but it wasn't something that I really struggled with in ways that I've heard other people have, probably because I was just so young, but also because it was always presented to me as like, hey, what's the most comforting thing that God could do? Isn't the most comforting thing that God could do is to like literally wipe away all of your sins at baptism? Isn't the most comforting thing that God can do to be physically present in this bread and wine to forgive your sins? And I was just so desperate for any kind of assurance and some kind of a proof to myself that God loved me that was like, yeah, hey, this is great. I'm all for this. You know, okay, this is kind of weird. I don't, I'm not going to act like I understand all of this. But at the end of the day, if if it's all here because Jesus loves me that much, I'm not really going to fight that. So you were able to lean into the sacraments that way. Was it because it was something outside yourself, something objective rather than what you had been seeking, which was kind of the subjective? Yeah, 100%. I I really think that the objectivity of the sacraments is, you know, like, again, it doesn't doesn't matter if you're having a bad day. When I was baptized, I was immersed. I remember when I went down, I did something weird and like tried to gasp for air before going down under the water. And I kind of bungled it. And so I ended up taking in like a huge lung full of kind of gnarly water because I was, you know, like the fifth person or whatever to be baptized that day. So I felt like I was drowning, number one. Number two, I came up and I was, I mean, I was hacking up a lung, right? And I felt really, really embarrassed because it was in front of the whole church. And I can remember thinking like, I ruined it. I ruined my moment. And becoming Lutheran was like, oh, wow, okay. Not only did I not ruin it because there was no way that I, I could ruin it, right? No no kind of like goofy thing like that is, is going to invalidate a baptism, but also it actually became kind of this like weird sense of comfort where it was like, even though I was denying what I now believe about baptism in the moment that I was baptized, right? I was denying that it had any effect on the old man. I still kind of experienced like a a little foretaste of that by thinking I was going to briefly drown in the baptismal font. It was this like, wow, okay, no, I literally thought I was drowning. And that is in a sense, you know, what happened. The sinful Molly was drowned and killed and could no longer pull me to hell. And that was the thing that had, had just haunted me my whole life. And it was like, no, this had nothing to do with anything I did. And It was just so freeing to know that. Molly Lackey is our guest, author of The Issues Etc., a book of the month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being Lutheran. We're talking about her journey from non-denominationalism in our series, Paths to Lutheranism. 
She'll tell us next how she introduced her future husband to Lutheran doctrine and practice. Issues Etc. relies on a small group of faithful supporters called the Issues Etc. Reformation Club. These listeners have pledged to become monthly or annual contributors to Issues Etc., and this allows us to budget our expenses more efficiently. Now, there are four levels of giving. The Confessor, $25 monthly, or an annual gift of $250. The Apologist, $50 monthly, or an annual gift of $500. The Reformer, $100 monthly or an annual gift of $1,000. And the Patron, $200 monthly or an annual gift of $2,000. Reformation Club benefits include shirts, books, broadcast transcripts, and advertising for confessional Lutheran churches. Learn more about joining the Issues Etc. Reformation Club on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. And look for the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses or call Lynn 618 618- 223-8385, The Issues Etc. Reformation Club. Here we stand. We cannot do otherwise. You're listening to Issues Etc. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about Molly Lackey's journey from non-denominationalism to the Lutheran confession in our series on Paths to Lutheranism. Now, if you've enjoyed our Paths to Lutheranism series this week, please consider joining the Issues, etc. Reformation Club. It's the primary source of revenue for this worldwide outreach. Reformation Club benefits include shirts, books, broadcast transcripts, and advertising for your confessional Lutheran church. Learn how to become an Issues Etc. Confessor, Apologist, Reformer, or Patron on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385, the Issues Etc. Reformation Club. Molly, tell us about how you introduced your then-future husband to Lutheran Doctrine and Practice. Yeah, so several years later, I ended up moving across the country 
and I started dating my my now husband. He was Roman Catholic, and we were in college at the time. And basically what I did was I said to him, hey, he went to college about an hour from me and would try and come and visit once a week. And so I very slyly said, why don't you come down on Sundays, and then we can spend the whole day together, and we can go to church in the morning and then go get lunch and and just hang out. And so I brought him to church with me and just kind of let it happen, I guess. He was really interested. He didn't have like a super strong catechetical or biblical background. And so, you know, we went out and we bought him a Bible and then we got actually Lutheranism 101, the book that CPH puts out. We just sort of worked through that really slowly beginning in about August by I think November or early December, he told me he was just, he was ready to, to become Lutheran. He was like, I've, I've seen the truth and I can't go back, I think was what he said. And he got confirmed, I think, the April of, of that next year. So it was pretty quick. And he's now studying to be a Lutheran pastor, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So Jonathan is a fourth year and absolutely loves it. How did that come about. That's a pretty big step to take. I'm Roman Catholic. I like this girl. I'll go to church with her to, you know, because I want really just want to sit next to her and spend the day with her. And darn it, she introduced me to this truth that I can't deny. And how did this step toward pastor? So I've heard from a couple of people that something similar has happened with young men who go through kind of this really intense conversion to becoming Lutheran and then being like, okay, I want to, I want to go to seminary now. I want to, I want to be a pastor. A lot of it was, he just sort of devoured everything that I could find to show him. I mean, he was just plowing through books and podcasts and YouTube stuff. I remember he like binged like eight hours of like Lutheran YouTube one Saturday or something. And I think we were talking about it as a family, my parents and the two of us. And I think my dad was like, clearly you enjoy doing this. Have you ever thought about looking into seminary? And he spent kind of the rest of college trying to figure out if that's what he wanted to do. And I think by the time his senior year of college rolled around, it was just like, okay, there's, there's no avoiding this. This is, this is what I need to do. And our home pastor was also really, really instrumental in encouraging him and let him come on visits and and stuff like that so we could kind of get a sense for what a pastor does during the week. And Jonathan just really enjoyed that experience and really enjoyed reading and learning about theology and sharing it with other people. And so it just seemed kind of like the natural choice. You have an MA in early modern European history. You've got a history degree no slouch degree from, I believe, St. Louis University, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Has that been helpful for you to gain a deeper understanding of Lutheran theology and practice? Yeah, definitely. Some of the stuff that I've found out through studying church history really bolsters a lot of what we're taught in the catechism and what, you know, what we would learn in Bible study and from sermons and all of that. One of the things that I studied during while I was getting my undergraduate and graduate degrees, I got really into like this very obscure work by Martin Chemnitz. It isn't available in English, but I actually think Paul McCain mentioned this because I told him about it. I think he mentioned it on when you were doing the series on the Book of Concord. 
basically Chemnitz is involved in this really complicated argument between other Lutherans and Calvinists about the nature of the ascension and whether or not essentially that the ascension invalidates real presence, right? The Calvinists were sort of pushing this idea that, oh, well, Jesus is in heaven, therefore he can't be on altars all over the world. It's kind of like silly, like hyper-logical argument. And Chemnitz and several other people were really pushing very hard against this. And it all kind of traced back to the way that Luther translated some stuff in his Bible on the Ascension. And basically, Chemnitz is sort of connecting the Ascension, not as much as about like a, a physical change in location of Christ, but instead is about Christ going into exaltation. And so if Christ is exalted, then of course he can be on altars all over the world. It was exploring all of that in the Latin and the German that it was written in was so incredibly helpful to me. I found it profoundly comforting. There's still a lot of stuff that that we just don't have super easy access to in English, right? Because for over 400 years, practically, you know, Lutheran churches didn't really speak English. And so there's so much out there that's available that's of such comfort that is being translated now or can be translated in the future and can be studied in the future that I think brings immense help and comfort to people. So you're the author of our book of the month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. Tell us about the book. Confessing Jesus is basically based around five sort of big, simple, elementary school level questions about Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did Jesus do? Where is Jesus now? When is Jesus coming back? Why did Jesus do all of this? And what I really wanted to do with the book was give something for lay people that would help them understand that being Lutheran is all about Jesus and that it's in Jesus that we find our identity. We have to know Christ before we can know ourselves. I think it really kind of runs the gamut on five really big, important things that you could ask about Jesus. Like, what does it mean that Jesus is both God and man? What is the real presence all about? Why did why did Jesus die and why did Jesus rise? What is the nature of the end times? And what does it mean when we say Jesus is for you? And it's my hope that telling that kind of through telling the story of how I became Lutheran also helps other Lutherans or other people who maybe aren't Lutheran um, understand what being Lutheran is all about and and brings them the comfort that has been and continues to be shown to me through all of the the wonderful pastors and all of the wonderful Lutheran theologians who have given me that gift. Folks, I highly recommend Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran by Molly Lackey. It's a popular Christology written right at the level of the lay people. It answers those five questions beautifully and biblically. Find out more about the book at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and order Confessing Jesus, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. Ask for the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. Molly Lackey is a historian and a Lutheran seminarian's wife and author of The Issues Etc., Book of the Month for October, Confessing Jesus, the Heart of Being a Lutheran. Molly, thanks. Thank you so much, Todd. 
Next week on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Dr. Gene Edward Veith about tips to keep in mind when visiting a Lutheran church. We'll discuss spiritual warfare with Dr. John Ferguson, and we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2. It really is what you've been looking for. All of Scripture's teaching, Old and New Testament, and the full comfort of Christ's work for you. That is because Christ himself is the key to understanding those scriptures, the entire Bible. And in him, all of God's promises are yes and amen. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church on Sunday. And thanks for listening to Issues Etc. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Would you like to learn about the Reformation theology you hear on Issues Etc.? We'll send you a pamphlet of Luther's small catechism for free. It contains the biblical teachings on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. Order your free copy of Luther's Small Catechism today. Just send your name and mailing address to talkback at issuesetc.org. The Third Commandment teaches us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We do this when we hold God's Word sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Jesus invites the weak and heavy laden to rest in Him, our true rest, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. This weekend, rest in Jesus as you hear His Word and receive His gifts. If you are in Southern Illinois, you're invited to join Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt to rest in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Learn more at trinitymilstadt.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.